This is Frontierland with Dr. Dean Allen. It may surprise you to know that bungee jumping is not a modern phenomenon. Its ancient origins can be traced back to the South Pacific, where islanders would climb tall wooden towers and jump off with only vines tied to their ankles to break their fall. All of this in the name of promoting a good harvest the next year, apparently. Well, here in South Africa, on the border between the Eastern and Western Capes, we have the Blaukrans Bridge Bungee, which has been operating since the 1990s. On this edition of Frontierland, I chat with Devon Tuhi, the New Zealander who has assured me that they no longer use vines and that the Blaukrans at 216 metres remains one of the tallest commercial bungee jumping sites in the world. His story about Prince Harry is also not to be missed. Enjoy. Well, one of the things that uh, people will notice if they drive between Cape Town and Port Elizabeth um, is the incredible bridges that span some of those valleys there. And I'm sure many people have wondered who would be crazy enough to jump off one of those bridges. Blaukans Bridge, uh, built in 1984 at a cost of 10 million rand, is one of the tallest bridges we have in South Africa. But as you probably know, it's also home to Face Adrenaline, a bungee company uh, founded by a New Zealander, Devon Tui, who I've got here with me at NUC Game Reserve on the outskirts of Port Elizabeth. Bumped into you this morning Devon and yeah. I am absolutely fascinated by how you make a living <laughs> you are uh, Mr Bungie in uh, South Africa a New Zealander as I said uh, the home of bungee jumping and of course I had to interview for our podcast Frontierland um, Blaukrans Bridge itself is on the border of the Western Cape and Eastern Cape it's part of South African folklore it attracts a lot of tourists to our region how did it all start? When did you come to South Africa to start off with and why bungee jumping? Sure. Um, yeah, questions within a question. But yeah, I uh, I played rugby in New Zealand and all, you know, the one thing about rugby is that um, the, the, the All Black Springbok uh, kind of rivalry has uh, been there since, well, it's a hundred years old, I suppose, these days. And uh, I'd always wanted to come and play rugby here. I learnt about bungee jumping from the founders of bungee jumping, um, and yeah, there was about six of us that knew how to bungee jump, and we kind of knew that, um, you know, it was a, we we literally had a concept that was going to take the world by storm. Um, so we all kind of headed off at that stage, and and yeah, I had a round the world ticket. Arrived in South Africa because of the rugby, um, and ironically, because of the rugby, met met a guy who's brother was a, of Keith Shaw, he was a film producer, and um, one thing led to another, and uh, yeah, I en- ended up being uh, given a contract to to do high-tech commercial, and that's where Blowcrunch, we jumped first, so Blowcrunch was uh, the first jump that we did, um, we didn't commercialise it then, it was it was a world record at the time, and yeah, so from Blowcrunch then kind of went to Mossel Bay and Vic Falls, and then ironically back to Blowcrunch eventually. Where did this whole concept of chucking yourself over a bridge start? I mean, it's 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 got quite a colourful history, hasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. As I was saying earlier, Dean, I think, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stories, but the dangerous Oxford Society were the first guys to ever do a bungee jump, um, and they did it off the Golden Gate Bridge. It was apparently a little bit of a disaster because they hadn't thought about recovery, um, and that's kind of put it on the map. And then a guy called AJ Hackett obviously commercialised it in New Zealand. So yeah, it's um, it's been going, sure, so that's it, probably a good question, since the late 80s I'd say, 
is it's um but yeah it's a you know it's an amazing we call ourselves legalized drug dealers you know <laughs> it's uh, it's the best adrenaline rush you can get and obviously the safest um you know as i said to you earlier we, we don't deal with elements we just deal with fear and equipment now tell me your background in this. When was your first bungee jump? Because I would never trust the, the, the mm. owner of a bungee company if they hadn't done it themselves. Can you remember the first time you did oh, it and God. how did you feel? Yeah, vividly, vividly. Yeah, I think that's what hooked me. I um, I kind of, the guys gave me a call and said, listen, there's this concept called bungee jumping happening in Awakudi in a place in the North Island of New Zealand off a railway bridge. You want to come down for the weekend and do a jump? And I, and I got there and... I looked at this and I just I was terrified and then I walked out and I thought no 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 I can do this I can do this and and I eventually got to the edge um, for my jump and my knees were shaking uncontrollably and I and my brain was going don't don't you know like everyone that ever jumps off a bridge so the same sort of reactions you get and I had to overcome that and that's kind of what hooked me as I um I thought this fear is is just phenomenal and if I can overcome this I, I suppose I can overcome anything you know so yeah that's what got me um but yeah it was a it was a long road <laughs> it's an incredible human challenge um I, I would love to say that I've uh, jumped off a of blower crowns, but mm. uh, it's something I've I've looked at in the past. I've watched people do. Mm. It's absolutely mind blowing. I have admiration for anyone that's done it. I actually uh, 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 jumped off the smaller of your of mm. your uh, um, con- uh, concerns or properties along there. It was the it was the Harriet's br- yeah, Harriet's bridge, River Harriet's Bridge, River bridge yeah. which was which was a bridge swing. Yep. That was enough for me. I actually did it twice because the first time I did it uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and I didn't open my eyes I don't think I breathed the entire time the second <laughs> time I thought no let's take this in it's an incredible sensation but you are you are overcoming basically your basic instincts of yep. self-preservation aren't yep. you totally uh, tell me some of the some of the stories of, of, of unlikely people that have, have faced this challenge and have actually overcome it sure it's hard because there's been thousands of people from all different walks of life I mean the, the interesting ones are we had one just the other day a blind person so you can imagine a blind person their senses are so much more pronounced on certain things and and when you watch a blind person shaking on the edge and you're saying but they can't see anything you know but yet here they are and of course their elation and what they go through after is just it's amazing same with them and this is the beauty of our concept you know people in in uh, wheelchairs there's no problem because blow carts is such a special jump we have a pendulum in the cord, so there's no shock loading on, on blow crowns. It, it is the Rolls Royce of bungees. And of course, for, for we, we've got wheelchair access. So to do people like that is probably, I, I just love it because at the end of the day, they're, they're suddenly, not that they're not normal, but they, they feel like they, they're doing, you know, a concept that, that uh, would be out of their bounds and they can do it. And yeah, they're the ones that, you know, you, you really, you know, you, you kind of, uh, you enjoy getting that process happen you know we've broken a number of world records um with certain people that you know have wanted to kind of challenge their fears and and that's been also very uh very interesting um you know we uh yeah it's it's different i mean every every person has a fear of heights every person is uh is one that wants to overcome that fear and i think that's what bungee jumping gives you it gives you an avenue into challenging that fear so yeah, there's an. I, I it would, we'd have to spend a few hours for the stories we can tell you because it's 
it's literally 30 years of Vic Forth, Horitz, Blokrantz, you know, um, seven days a week. <laughs> so it's a lot of days and a lot of people. And everyone is so special because everyone, there's no one that jumps off that bridge, unless they're a nutcase, um, that doesn't crap themselves, you know. It's it's not a normal thing. So, yeah, it's uh, it's full of stories. <laughs> As humans, we, we I think we like to challenge ourselves. There's mm. that, that, that fear factor. We live in a relatively safe era now where everything's protected. Yeah. That is the ultimate, isn't it? We were talking earlier, though. I mean, one of the obvious questions is, um, have you had any kind of major incidents? And you pride yourself on the fact that safety is the ultimate uh, the ultimate guarantee yeah. with this. Yeah. Um, uh, d- tell me, tell me about the actual infrastructure that you work with. I mean, that the, everybody must be uh, fascinated by the the rope that you use. Tell me a little bit about that. Is it a, is it specialised? How do you how do you cater for people mm. of different sizes? Yeah, and what are yeah. the technical aspects? I mean, yeah. it's a, it is a science, isn't it? What you do? The cords are um, a latex rubber. Um, they're weaved by us, so we manufacture the cords ourselves. That's part of the art form of what we do. Um, there's different size cords for different weight ratios. So like we'll have a, an example, a lightweight cord that'll be from 40 to 50 kgs. Then we'll go into a medium. So, so it, it, it works on weight ratios. So there's different size cords for different size weights. Um, the infrastructure of Brokance is really unique. Um, it is, again, I say the Rolls Royce purely because, you know, I've been able to put in all my years of bungee experience into a bridge that is just tailor-made for, for bungee jumping. Um, got a beautiful catwalk that we've obviously engineered and then the platforms and we're the only operation in the world that does um, winch recovery uh, where we, we literally send someone down to you um, and connect to the cord and then you come back up. The cords themselves are, uh, you know, got a literally I kind of uh, always you, you always get that connotation to Vic Falls and what happened. Um, bungee cords are like I like tyres, going to put it that way in a very crude way, is that if you, you could imagine if you get 30,000 k's on a, on, a, on a set of tyres, you take it to 50,000 k's, you're going to have problems. And that's naturally what, you know, with most equipment. So you've got, we are in a, a beautiful position that we double everything up on our operation in terms of equipment. Everything is backed up. Um, but the bungee cord itself is, you know, literally got a, at a four-ton braking strain. So you can't snap a cord. Um, you can overwork a cord. So yeah, we just we're stringent on safety. Um, you know, we're incident-free, and we've we, we kind of pride ourselves that we're constantly looking at how can we make it better. And every factor in the operation is backed up from the connection to yourself, where you have a backup safety harness as well as a dynamic loading knot to the fact of the bungee cord there's two connections to the ropes that connect to the bungee cord there's two ropes that are that are static ropes that have you know got three and a half turns so there's everything is just so overrated it's not funny and because we don't deal with elements it's purely equipment um so it does make it easy to make it 100 percent safe no, I don't. I, I can remember. I can remember the experience I had. I mean, you felt like you're in safe hands. Some of the mm. guys there, they like to tease you when you're at that, in that, uh, in that, uh, on the edge of, literally on the edge of, yeah. of jumping. It's, but it's the most incredible experience, and it's something that's that's life changing. I want to just talk a little bit about you. I mean. South Africa wasn't necessarily on your radar, a bit like myself. I came here Mm, through mm. meeting somebody, Mm. fell in love with the place. What's special about South Africa, especially as a Kiwi? Oh, God, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's where we we both resonate, don't we? I think what, what, yeah, uh, people don't realise what they've got here. Um, And and I'm sure that every expat that goes out there, South African being, 
misses home like they can't believe because there is nothing better than than Africa. Africa is the soul of life. It's uh, where everything began and. And yeah, I'm just uh, I'm I'm intrigued every day of what more I see, you know. And of course, you go where we are now, and you go out in the bush, and you're kind of going, you know, everyday world suddenly falls away because everywhere you look, something's moving, or there's sounds, or there's you know, and it just keeps you, yeah, you know, it just keeps you resonated, doesn't it? So yeah, I just love Africa. I just think it's an incredible place. It's obviously got its its problems, but what hasn't? So yeah, New Zealand's beautiful. But I suppose it's not as alive as this continent. This continent is, you know, it's just special, isn't it? A lot of South Africans think the grass is greener. Of course, uh, they yeah. go to the UK, they go to New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, and no doubt there are advantages there. But yeah. but I think we're both in the same position that mm. this this place has given us opportunity. Oh, big time, isn't it? You know, and, and I think I think it's got so much more to give too. We're in a, in a transition stage at the moment where we're. You know, I think in a very interesting phase. Um, but yeah, I, I just uh, I'm I'm an optimist, and I firmly believe the Western and Eastern Cape is uh, is is booming. You know, and, it, and it's, yeah, it's a great great place. You're based on the garden route, of mm. course. You come into it, you know, your your business is on the on the border. The Eastern Cape special though, isn't it? There's something, it is. There's something yeah. different about it here. Well, yeah, Eastern Cape came me gave me blowcrant, so I suppose I, I I always look back on that as um, and it was the first jump that I that I did, and you know, as I said to you earlier, the jump itself, we weren't we weren't geared for it. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> we were. We were geared for a small jump, and then Keith Shaw kind of nailed me on a big one. And yeah, it's it's been um, it's given me a lot the Eastern Cape. And yeah, you're right. It, it it and it's so different to the Western Cape, isn't it? So yeah, they're both just amazing provinces. And 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 here I am, and I, I've actually put signs up on the bridge um, right on the archway. So if you ever come and do a a bridge, a new product, the Skywalk or a bungee jump. There's two uh, two signs, Eastern and Western, and that's the border of the Eastern and Western Cape. So yeah. You mentioned Skywalk. What's that? No, people can can visit Blaucrans and and have the thrill, but they mm. don't necessarily have to throw themselves off of it. Yeah, it's a new product that I've been looking at for a long, long time, um, and it's being able to give people. You know, what is bungee jump? And I suppose most of the time, I would say it's overcoming your fear of heights, but it happens so quickly that you kind of you do but you don't and I think what Skywalk gives you is this opportunity to hang out from Blokant's Bridge into the abyss um, with two connections in a harness and that's the way to overcome your fear of heights because suddenly you know once you move out you're hanging above 260 meters of air over a a tiny little uh, river and yeah it's a beautiful product it's open you know from age 8 to, to 80 or even 100 um, and it just yeah if you ever wanted to overcome your fears this is the baby and obviously you get to uh, see the bungee jumping so it's quite nice that if you've got friends bungee jumping you're able to lean out and, and, and see them bungee jumping as well so um, yeah fantastic product and I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really enthused about offering it to the public and you're on one of the most beautiful um, roads in the world, the garden route yeah. linking Cape Town and Port Elizabeth and you're very passionate like us here mm. in, in P. Quebec to get people to come all the way to see the kind of yeah. uh, 
that obviously nature that we're in today. Um, it's something that you're experiencing. Your own son, he's, he's, he's spending yeah. a week with us here at NUC, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, trying his trying his hand at being a game ranger. Yeah. Um, and it's important that we share we share the the tourism. A Cape Town of obviously it's it's a well-known place. It's on yeah. the map. Yeah. But with the kind of attractions, you, bungee jumping being one of them, yeah. we can get more people to visit us here in Eastern Cape, can't we? Big time, and I think I think what people have. Uh this misconception, like we were saying earlier, Dean, is that where where does the garden route start and finish? And to me, simply put, it, it starts in Cape Town and ends in Port Elizabeth. And I think the you know the more that people understand that, because there's so much from Nyesner to to Port Elizabeth, let alone what's around Port Elizabeth. So yeah, we've got we've got a gold mine on our on our hands. And and I think uh, anyone that's travelled from Cape Town to Port Elizabeth realises there's different adventures the whole way along. And it's literally the adventure capital of, of South Africa, or I could even say Africa. So, yeah, I think um, so enthused. And, you know, it's great to see, you know, both provinces uh, realising that. And, yeah, working together is what it's all about. So, yeah, it's it's huge potential. And I've got to, I've got to end, uh, Devon, by asking. Uh, it's a difficult question. Mm. It's one I faced. The Rugby World Cup's coming up. <laughs> Do you wear black or green? Jeez, that's a great question. Yeah, it's always hard because you, when I came here, I was always recognised as a, as a Kiwi and, and had to wear my silver fern and perform some terrible harkers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I have to be honest, I'm, I've lived more in South Africa than I've lived in New Zealand, so kind of I say my shirt's black but my heart is green. <laughs> I like that, I like that. Well I, I supported the box against England in 2019, that mm. was my transition. Mm. Uh, I realised that you're invested in this country. Yeah. Um, we never lose our accents do we? But, no we uh, don't mate, no. There's something special about this country, what it's given me and I, I can hear by your journey as well. Yeah. Uh, you arrived at a time, a similar time, mm. um, late 80s, early 90s, it was a land of opportunity yeah. uh, and, and, and things happened. So what's the future of Face Adrenaline? What are you going to do with this this concept of yours it, um, it's a brand that we all know yeah um, what, what you you're gonna step back a little bit or what's yeah I, yeah I'm not sure yet um, we, we kind of the audio visual side is, is uh, you know we've got a really good uh, product with the content that we've got um, so and you know the name says it all face adrenaline um, but yeah we'll see um, I've kind of been doing low crunch now 26 years so I'm pretty tired. Um, the product is amazing. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. I think you'll 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 hear about me. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Devin, the one thing I should imagine though, um, with the appeal of a bungee jump, it's a real leveler. People of all backgrounds, all types, probably some famous people as well. Have you had some? Have you had famous people attempting it? Yes, we we uh, we certainly have. It had a fair share of uh, famous people. We we've had a number of rugby players like Bobby Skinstad, obviously his. He, he jumped in the early days. He was fantastic. Um, we've had Funny De Villiers, the the famous cricketer. We've had uh, Patricia De Lewis. We've had, yeah, I think I suppose the gold. Uh, we've had a lot. I wouldn't be able to name them all. But uh, Prince Harry came and jumped, and he was really special. Um, he's a great guy, and he uh, arrived from his with his group from Lesotho, his army friends. And it's a great story because you know well, I don't care what people think about Prince Harry, but he is an absolute gentleman. And he was, uh, he arrived and, and we weren't prepared for him. He just arrived off the cuff. And I'll never forget, he kind of wore ripped jeans and a t-shirt, you know, very unassuming. 
and he came down to reception and he says, you know, uh, I want to sign up for the jump. He didn't like announce himself. There was no, you know, bodyguard presence or anything like that. And he and he had these scrunched up 200 rand notes because I think we were 500 bucks in those days. And he says, I, I think I've got enough. And I said, Oh, it's okay, Perry. <laughs> you don't you don't necessarily <laughs> don't necessarily have to pay. I, you know, I do respect you. And he said, No, 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 I must pay. And he did. He paid. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, it's it was it was very interesting because he he, uh, he went out with his group and just before he went out, two Englishmen arrived, and they they saw that Prince Harry had uh, had signed up for the jump, and they said, "Do you mind if we go on the tour with them?" And I said, "Listen, um, you know, there's a bit of protocol here. I don't think you know he probably want you to go." And they pleaded, and I said, "Okay," and it was probably one of the, one of the worst decisions I made. You cut a, cut a long story short, we all went, did the process, and when we got down to the zip line, which is the access out to the bridge, this one English boy that I'd managed to squeeze in pulled out his camera, and I'd said to him, and I briefed him before, listen, buddy, no cameras, you know, obviously. Um, anyway, so we went through. Harry was great. He was he was uh, consummate, beautiful jumper, by the way, too. Jumped really well. Had a great time, and then. Um, about well, it's probably after the whole group would have been about two hours. And as we got back to uh, to basically where our bar and reception was, um, he said, "I said, do you want to have a quick beer?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, let's have a, a quick beer." And we were just having a chat. And he said, "Look, I've got to go." And the paparazzi had started to arrive, and um, and I, I just I never forget seeing his look as he looked at the paparazzi. It was like an absolute look, as we probably all know of. of uh, yeah, distaste. And he um, he said, listen, I've, I've got to go. And um, as he was going, I said, listen, Harry, I've got all this footage of you. You know, do you mind if I use it? But he kind of said to me, prefer you didn't. And I was like, no, I was gutted. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so lo and behold, after... And then the bodyguard came up to me and he kind of said, um, you know, please, you know, don't don't use the footage. And I said, listen, no problem. Um, my word is my honour sort of thing. And literally 24 hours later... I get this phone call, it's the front page of The Sun, and guess what the headlines were? Harry gets drunk before bungee jump. So yeah. it was absolute, you know, hogwash. And so that's, yeah, that's the sensationalism that, that uh, got twisted with the poor guy. And um, ironically, the two Englishmen that I'd obviously let into the group had been the, uh, the guilty party. So they'd gone down to reception and paid my reception people by saying that you know we're, we're with Harry we're part of his regiment and so they'd given them the photos and then they subsequently sold them to the press and yeah, yeah what, a, what a shame it's, yeah. it's something that we we don't realize do we looking no. from the outside um, we were chatting earlier about mm. this the different kind of people that that approach the jump mm. and you were saying often the the biggest the butchers <laughs> the, the hard-looking yeah. men perhaps yeah. are the ones that, that buckle under pressure and it's the ones you don't expect to, to take through it have you got any uh, stories about that that you know the the guys that talk a good game get to the actual edge and then perhaps uh, and what is the protocol by the way if you don't want to jump when you get to that very last moment. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, like, I always do tend to find the uh, the hairy bikers, I'll call them. <laughs> They're the ones that seem to uh, struggle to get off bridges. Whereas I had a I had a very interesting one of my first ever corporate groups who you classic pen pushers, you know, um, all had spectacles, and you just thought, my God, this is going to be a nightmare. And we managed to to, to convince I think 99, yeah, most of them off. 
And uh, I'll never forget the guy ringing me some months later. He said, that was the most incredible session my staff have ever had. He said, but the bad news is half of them, you know, 90% of them want to leave the company now. They're just, they're, they're new people, you know. Um, and that's what it does. So, yeah, it's the meek and mild are the ones that tend to be the strong, the bravado and the, and the, and the big guys, you know, they're the ones that struggle. So it just shows you something interesting about life, isn't it? And there's always that you can turn back. You don't have to go if you No, we, we, you know, literally... I think what we tend to do, our, our job is is to, you know, uh, try and facilitate you getting off that bridge. If you've paid the money, you obviously want to jump off this bridge. So we do try um, as hard as we can. We don't necessarily push you, but sometimes, you know, um, you'll get to a point where you just, he just needs that 1%. And you'll never get a person coming back and saying, you know, I wish you'd never done that because it's so uh, such an amazing experience. So yeah, you know, you're never pushed. Uh, you, we never get to a point where you, you know, you don't, you don't want to jump and we throw you off. <laughs> it's that's not what we're about. You know, what we're there to is to to make you, you know, uh, overcome your fears and obviously enjoy this concept to what it is. So yeah. So who are the guys I'm dealing with out on that platform? Are they locals? Are they South Africans? Yeah. Are they New Zealanders you've employed? And they must have some kind of degree in psychology, that mustn't they? They must understand people and their fears. Yeah, that's the tra- our training is rigorous. Um, before you ever get out to a position on the edge, you probably have to be with us for at least five years. Um, you're dealing with people's lives, um, so you're right, 100%. But look, they don't study. All of my guys, to be honest with you, uh, from the local communities now. Um, in the beginning, it was a lot different. But we've been able to train and empower uh, our local community to pretty much run this operation to a certain extent. And they they blow my mind. They're, they're exceptional. Um, and, you know, as, as we, I always say to them, is, uh, I think this is the most important thing with, with our staff, is remember your first jump and how much, you know, you agonised with it and how much you crapped yourself going off so just appreciate that every person that, that's going through this experience is going through exactly what you're going through and let's try and make that the most amazing experience of their life and be part of that experience so yeah we're there just to to help you get off the edge you know what i mean um but yeah they're very well trained and of course we have a, a, a safety system that everything is double and triply checked so we're very uh, staff heavy um but that's purely because of a safety aspect as well and it makes people feel great when there's a lot of staff around and there's a there's a certain vibe on the bridge um i think the other thing that i'd love to add is that the amount of people that have come out um, who don't know each other in a group and have uh, gone through this experience and gone back and and they're friends for life you know and that's another aspect about bungee jumping because you go out with someone that you don't even know and, and there's this 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 bonding that happens because you're going through such an you know incredible experience that um is everlasting and yeah and that's the other thing with the staff is that how many jobs in the world could you say that this person's going to remember you for the first, for the rest of your life you know i'm sure we don't remember every dentist we've ever met <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm going to chuck myself off that bridge, but I'm certainly going to try the skywalk. I look forward to doing that awesome. in the future. Yeah. And perhaps we'll have some footage of that on the podcast. But thanks for your time, Devin. Appreciate no it. No worries, man. All the best. Thank you. That was Frontierland with Dr. Dean Allen. For more podcasts, visit algoafm.co.za.